0: Welcome to First Church. Today's announcements the flowers on the altar are in honor of Bonnie Heights' 70th birthday today. Happy birthday, Bonnie. Today is the annual meeting to elect officers, hear reports from the pastor, trustees, and treasurer, and to approve the proposed budget for 2017. This will be immediately after the church service today. And there's also the annual book is also complete and is ready, and there's some copies on the front pew. There's also some copies at each entrance. The book contains reports from the pastor, youth pastor, the treasurer's financial report, and the proposed budget. Please take one per family. His copies are kind of limited, so don't gobble up a bunch. The Otis Spunkmeyer cookie dough sale is now on, so anyone interested, see any of the junior high or senior high youth to place an order or call the church office. And the gathering and the wonderful Wednesday planning meeting will be moved to the social room this Wednesday night, so the Chamber of Commerce can begin setting up the State of the Village's address in the Ministry Center on Thursday morning. Confirmation classes will still remain in their same locations. Please rise and join me in the call to worship. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive the power of and 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 glory and then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and on the sea, and all those, that is, them saying, in honor and glory and power and The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. Please join us in singing the Revelation song. children, come forward for the children's chat. Please take this time to greet your neighbor.
1: Well, the structure of our church is not level. Imagine that. My marbles are rolling. (laughs) Well, we'll just pretend. Yeah, thanks. Okay, I have two sets of marbles here. How many of you have ever played marbles? I have
2: hungry of people. They
1: want like marbles. Oh, no. No, that was your parents saying they lost their marbles. <laughs> You've played marbles? What does it mean to say, are we playing for fun or for keeps? Have you heard that? How many grown-ups have heard that? Oh, just a few of us. My mother used to play marbles because they didn't have television. So they went out and they drew circles on the chalk. Or if you're out in the dirt, you draw a great big circle. And you have your marbles, and these are your prized possessions. So you take care of your marbles. And you've got a big one that you hit with, and then you've got another friend that has orange marbles So we have blue marbles and orange marbles and we put it in the circle that we made and before we start we say are we playing for keeps or for fun now the idea is you have all your marbles in there and this guy is going to knock your marble out and you get that marble so then I get one of his marbles but I went outside the circle didn't I so I don't get to go again so the other guy is going to do his, and he stays, whoops, this floor. <laughs> uh, he rolled off, and he hit one out. So he gets one back. So pretty soon what happens is somebody has a whole bunch of marbles, and somebody only has two. Now, if you play for fun, you give this guy back his prize marbles, okay? if you play for keeps, you get to keep his marbles. You get to keep all of them. Now, you know, sometimes that happens with grown-ups. They want to keep all their marbles. They don't worry about sharing. They want to play for keeps. So they want the biggest house, the biggest car, the biggest everything. Now, kids... They want to have the most Pokemon cards. They want to have the best Pokemon cards. They want to have the best cell phone. They want to have all of that. But you know what? Jesus plays for keeps. When he asks us to be his disciples, he says all this worldly stuff is nothing. These marbles aren't anything, are they? Do they they amount to anything? They're fun here on earth, aren't they? If you had to choose between marbles and living with Jesus in heaven and the most wonderful life we could have for keeps, we would be the real winners then. But then we have to look at what's most important. So if you're going to play for keeps with Jesus, that means you give up all the worldly things and you focus on him. There's treasures in heaven a lot more than these old marbles but you try and play marbles I bet your grandpa and grandma and maybe it has to be great grandma and grandma play marbles and it's fun but think about that think about what's more important Jesus or the things here on earth let us say a prayer some people will give up anything Lord just to get marbles but like your son Jesus said what good will it do them if they gain the whole world but lose their soul. Help us to realize the only life that lasts is a life lived for you. May we all live for Jesus. Amen. Thank you.
0: In the last week in support of Operation Inherent Resolve in Iraq, we lost Specialist John P. Rodriguez, 23, in Kuwait. He's from Hemet, California. The Iraqi Army reports that all districts of eastern Mosul, that would be east of the Tigris River,
3: have come under their control. Before we go to the Lord in prayer together, um, I'm gonna want to invite Mark Bird forward. Uh, he's a familiar face to many of you, I'm sure. Uh, a few years ago, you, you led worship here on Wednesday nights. Is that correct? During the, when we had the contemporary service on Wednesday nights. And so, um, he's no stranger to many of you and to this church. Uh, but he's got a new adventure that he and his family are beginning, uh, with Revive Ohio. Uh, for, for those of you who aren't familiar with Revive Ohio, he's gonna share a little bit about that and, and what's been going on there. But, um, the the week that we had in Auglaize County was back in October, is that yeah. right? Back in October. Uh, but but things have still been going on and still happening in other counties as well as here in Auglaize. And so Mark's going to take a few moments to share about what's been going on re- with Revive Ohio. And then we're going to take time to pray for him and his ministry uh, when he's done. So
4: Mark, go for it. Thanks, Thanks so much, Joel. Greetings, friends. I wanted to share uh, a scripture with you uh, out of John chapter 4. Verses 33 to 35, and it reads like this. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It is still four months until harvest. But I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields, for they are ripe for harvest. Do you remember the last thing that Jesus spoke at the end of Matthew's gospel? Do you recall what he said at the end of Mark's gospel? Do you remember what he told his disciples before he descended in, ascended into heaven? Matthew twenty-eight nineteen reads like this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. And that is exactly what God told a young man named Kyle Martin just after he had graduated from seminary in Dallas, Texas. Son, he said, it's time to revive this nation. And this happened over nine years ago now. And most recently, this revival, as Pastor Joel shared, has come to Ohio. And it started in Dark County where I pastored. And then it came here to All Glaze County, where Pastor Joel and I met. And we began to work together to revive Ohio. We are now continuing to fan the flames of revival across the Buckeye State and beyond. Our mission statement at Time to Revive and for Revive Ohio now is to equip the saints to share the gospel and to make disciples. This is spelled out in Ephesians chapter four It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of God and became mature Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And the stats, though, far, so far, we have been in five counties in Ohio so far. Auglaize County was the second county. Dart County, as I mentioned, was the very first county that Revival came to. It came from Indiana. It spread from Indiana. And we were told about it in Dark County. So we embraced it. We welcomed it. And I want to just share a couple different stats with you from the counties that we've been in so far so you can see the effectiveness of what's going on. So the revival in Dark County lasted for three weeks. We had 570 folks that, that we met and requested ongoing discipleship follow-up. 363 of these folks accepted Christ for the first time. And 244 of these were high school and junior high students. 1,086 teams of four went out onto the streets and into neighborhoods to share the gospel. And 146 people got baptized during those three weeks. We visited 33 different sports teams in nine schools in the county. And we were also invited into 24 businesses in Dark County. And as I mentioned, it grew from Dark County, and then we were invited to come here to Auglaize County and bring revival. And the revival here lasted for one week. There were 273 folks that we met that requested ongoing discipleship follow-up. And 226 of these folks accepted Christ for the first time. 156 teams of four went out on the streets into the neighborhoods in Auglaize County to share the gospel. We were also able to baptize eight new people that week. And then we ended up going on 40 special assignments in Auglaize County, including schools, sports teams, and also businesses. We've moved on to Dayton. then into Miami County, and most recently into Mercer County. So we are fanning the flames of revival across the state, the Great Buckeye State, and the revival fires are still spreading. Just last couple weeks, I've received calls from Allen County in Lima, from Stark County in Akron, from Knox County in the Mount Vernon area, and we've already been working with pastors and leaders in Shelby County to take revival to that county. Now, my family and I, if I could uh, have my family stand up, I would like to show you my awesome family that uh, God has blessed me with. And so God is calling us to get on board full time. So when I met the Revive team from Texas in uh, August, God began to call me and stir my heart about this revival and doing this full time. And as the weeks pursued and we moved across the county, my family went out on the streets with me and began to share the gospel with people all over the state of Ohio. And my, my family has also all had a chance to go and lead people to Christ. Even my six-year-old Addie has also led people to Christ. And so, as I began, as this began to unfold, I began to realize that God was calling us into this adventure that we're all called to, to to enter into the great commission together. And as I broke that down, I realized that this is a co-mission that we are all on together. So I would ask you guys to prayerfully consider supporting us. We have to raise our own support to do this full-time in the state of Ohio. We've been asked by Time to Revive in Texas to become the co-chairman of Revive Ohio here and fan the flames of revival in our great state. Thank you guys so much for your time, and God bless you. I just want to take a moment. uh, As we go to the Lord in prayer,
3: we'd like to pray for Mark and his family and the Time to Revive uh, mission that they're on uh, but I also just want to reiterate, um, they're taking a step of faith uh, to, to step out and to go where they feel God is calling them to go and, and lead this uh, Revive Ohio aspect of the Time to Revive uh, ministry. And so um, what are some ways, do you have a, a way that people can support you or what's, what's the best yeah, way to do yeah, that? We,
4: we can speak to you guys uh, in person or we also have a, a timetorevive.com website and then you click on missionaries and you'll find our name on there and you can actually donate online to us uh, or uh, you can you can mail in a check to Time Revive and we can speak to you about that in person. Okay. All right.
3: Thank you. you. I just wanted to to reiterate that because, you know, we're familiar with missionaries who go overseas to serve the Lord and and the support that they need to raise in order to do that. Um, They're no different. They're just not going overseas. They're staying right here in Ohio and serving God here in this area and in our own communities. And so, but they still need to raise the support just as any other missionary would. And so if you're able to do that, if you're interested in that, um, I'm sure Mark and his family can get you some more information. Um, I just wanted to, to reiterate that for us today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for Mark and his family and their willingness to step out and to serve you um, in this way. I thank you for um, the, the, the faithfulness of, of Time to Revive and the impact that they've had in this community and around Ohio. Um, Lord, just so hearing some of those numbers is, is just staggering to see how, how you're working um, through that ministry and, and continuing to work through the local churches as well. I pray that you would bless them. I pray, Lord, that, that um, the harvest field would be ripe, uh, that there would be many people who are, who are, whose hearts are softened and willing to, to accept you as their Lord and Savior as they continue to minister, as, as our local churches, like First Church here, continues to minister alongside them. I pray that, that many people would come to know you through that ministry. Um, and that put their trust in you and become disciples, Lord. Um, and I do pray that you would uh, be with them, support them, uh, provide for them so that they may continue to serve you in this way. Thank you f- for their step of faith and pray that you would, you would bless that and honor that. Um, we do continue to pray for those needs, Lord, that are in our church as well, um, those who are dealing with health issues and, or financial issues or relationship issues. Um, Lord, you know exactly what is needed, um, and I pray that you would provide for them as well, meet them where they're at, And in all things may you be glorified. We pray all these things in the name of Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Yeah, for those helping with uh, offering, please come forward at this time. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
1: May be seated. If you have your Bibles out, I'll encourage you to turn to Mark chapter 8, verses 34 to 38. Then he called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels.
3: This time, if you're able, I encourage you to stand and let's sing number 105 together. He is Lord. seated. Before we dig into God's word together, I just want to make a couple announcements, just reiterate a couple things, I suppose. Uh, The wonderful Wednesday meeting that is coming up this Wednesday night at eight o'clock, that's an open invitation to to anyone here in the church and the community that wants to be involved in seeing wonderful Wednesdays happen. Uh, if you're, if you're not familiar with it, uh, we, we Wonderful Wednesdays takes place on Wednesday evenings during Lent. Um, actually not Ash, start, not starting Ash Wednesday, but starting the Wednesday following that. Um, and we open that up to the schools and, and to the community and we get lots of, of children here that come for homework help, games, crafts, uh, lesson, as well as a meal that evening. And so, um, there's lots of opportunities to help and to be involved in that. And this Wednesday night will be a, a great way to, to start that. We'll be getting the process of the planning and, and implementation of, of that ministry. Uh, also, um, just want to highlight, um, uh, the, the cross and the, the, um, Day of prayer that we had yesterday. Thank you to all who participated in that. Starting 8 a.m. yesterday morning, going to 8 a.m. this morning, uh, we had a 24-hour prayer vigil, a day of prayer for our church, our community, and our nation. And so um, just thank you to all who were involved in that. Um, whether you were here in person or praying from home, um, it all is the same. It all works. And, and, uh, it's just a great way to, to engage the Lord in prayer, um, to go to Him and, and seek out His guidance and His desire for, for this church and this nation. And so, um, God's word encourages us to pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean that we have to physically be here in the church to do that, but, but what a great way to, to make an effort to make that commitment. And so thank you to all who are involved. Uh, let's pray. Speaking of prayer, let's pray together. Fathers, thank you for this day. Uh, thank you for each person that's here and what they bring to this church and this community. Um, Lord, sometimes it's distractions and burdens that we carry in here with us. And so I pray, That now, as we open your word together, as we focus on you, help us to set aside those distractions um, and focus on you this morning and what it means to to embrace you as Lord and Savior and to become your disciples. I pray you give me the words to speak and open up all of our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. In Christ we pray. Amen. Uh, As as we continue to work through our mission statement, uh, we're going to see that these. Uh, these statements that we're looking at, they kind of build one off of the other. Uh, at first, we looked at that statement about being a community of faith that engages biblical truth to, provide, to create an environment that where people can mature as disciples of Christ. Um, and now these E statements, they build off of that. The first one we looked at last week was to encounter our Creator and what it means that God is our Creator, um, the loving Father who created each one of us and cares for us, and, and how we can engage, encounter Him. Uh, And and part of last week's sermon, I mentioned that that part of encountering our Creator is that God desires that we seek Him out. That He has made Himself known to us through His creation, through His Word. And He desires that we seek Him out in order to have a relationship with Him. And so this uh, this week's statement about embracing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and becoming His disciples is the is the conclusion to that I guess you could say the the finalized uh finalization of that statement of of seeking him out in order that we may know him as Lord and Savior. Uh the passage that we are looking at today um I encourage you to, to flip over there it's Mark chapter 8 if you have our if you have one of our sermon booklets um I uh, had a typo there and I put Matthew chapter 8 but it's it is actually Mark chapter 8 uh, if you are following along in your bibles um but I want to actually take a moment and, and go a few verses back into that chapter, um, beginning with verse 27. There's this encounter that Jesus has with his disciples, and he asks them, who do people say that I am? You know, and they give all these different responses. Um, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Still others, one of the prophets. And so there's this question of, of um, what other people think of Jesus and their responses. But Jesus isn't satisfied with leaving it at that. He doesn't want cons, doesn't want to know what other people think of him. Uh, he turns the question right back at his disciples, and he says, "Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? What am I to you?" And I think that is such an important question, and one that we need to um, need to take a moment and, and think about because that is that is the question of all questions. Well, who do we say that Jesus is? Who is he in our lives? Um, And we come up with a lot of answers to that ourselves, whether we really, you know, acknowledge it or not. Um, The way we act, the way our culture uh, puts a lot of different ideas out there about who Jesus is. Some say that he's simply just a good guy. You know, he's a good guy who lived a good life and set a good example for us to follow. It was really unfortunate the way it ended, but, but he lived a good life and we can learn something from him. Others still say that he was a great teacher, so he was a good guy, but he also had a lot of great things to say, right? A lot of, a lot of his moral teachings, his ethical teachings were things that we can really live our lives by, and so we can follow his example and, and take it a step further and really follow his teaching and model our lives after these, these um, sayings of his about loving our enemies and praying for those who persecute us, about turning the other cheek. Those are all great ideas, so let's try to live by them, but that's still not enough. Uh, still others see Jesus as a God of all love and no judgment. He's not bothered by our sin. He loves you and accepts you just the way you are, and He doesn't see a need for you to change or, or do anything about your life. Just keep on living the way you are, and and God will love you no matter what. And still others see God as all judgment and no love, the opposite end of that spectrum. That He is a God who who um, for whom nothing we do is ever good enough. We just try not to get on his bad side, right? He's this angry, vengeful God. And, and as long as we play by his rules, as long as we do everything the way we're supposed to do them, then we just avoid getting on his bad side and everything will be okay. And finally, uh, another, another version of Jesus um, that I think we often, we often go to is this cosmic vending machine, Jesus. That if we just say the right things... If we put in the right amount of money, if we push the right buttons, the thing that we want will eventually pop out, right? Just like a vending machine, right? You put in, put in the right amount of money, press the right buttons, and hopefully you get the candy bar you know you probably shouldn't have, but you want it anyways. And we see Jesus, our relationship with him is in a similar way. We, if we just say the right things and do the right things, uh, eventually he'll do what we want him to do. You know, we're, we're trying to manipulate him like some sort of vending machine. But all of those views of Jesus, all of those caricatures of him, they all fall short. There's some truth in each one of them. Not saying that those are completely wrong or completely false. He was a good guy and a great teacher. He is full of love, and he does he will come in judgment. Those are all true things. He does bless those who follow him. But it's but they're all incomplete pictures. And what Peter responds, how Peter responds, is the way that God desires each one of us to respond. And Peter Peter claimed, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. He desires that we see him not just as a a caricature of of who he is, but for who he is for, for real. He is the Messiah. He is our Lord and Savior. Messiah or Christ simply means anointed one. He's God's own son sent to rescue us from our sin and take his rightful place as Lord of our lives. It's important for us to to recognize that. What it it means is that all of those caricatures of him, they fall short of who he really is. That doesn't mean that God is is worse than those things. It means God is so much more. In Christ, there's so much more to who God is than than the way we often portray him. And so the question is, who do you say Jesus is? It's the most important question that we'll ever answer. And if we really think about it, the rest of our mission statement, the rest of, of what we said we believe as a church and the way that we want to live out our faith and our lives in this community, it all hinges on what we do with that question. Do we really believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior? Do we really want to be his disciples? If that's true, then all those other, other statements, they hold up under that. But if that's false, if we don't really see Jesus as Lord and Savior, if we don't really want to be his disciples, then all those other points of the mission statement just fall apart. They're not really meaningful. They're not really valid if we don't truly believe that he is our Lord and Savior. And it's something for, um, for us to keep our minds on and keep our focus on. It helps put our focus on Christ and not ourselves. And this is something I, as, as a pastor, need to constantly remind myself that he is lord and savior not me. Right? Not and I'm not saying that in some sort of arrogant way, but but we all try to put ourselves in that position at one time or another. Don't we? We think we can save ourselves. We think that the weight of the whole world falls on our shoulders. And admitting that he is lord and savior is saying that I'm not. <laughs> there is a god in this world in this universe and I'm not him. You know, and and, and it's a it's a relief to say that, but it's also Um, it's also hard to say because we want to take control. We want to be in charge of our own lives. And by admitting that he's our Lord and Savior, we're giving up that control. We're giving up that that prerogative to always be right and be in charge. And so the question is, if he is our Lord and Savior, what do we need to be saved from? We talked last week when we talked about encountering our creator, that God created a good and perfect and sin-free world um, but unfortunately that's not the case anymore. Sin entered the world and has disrupted creation, has broken that that relationship with God that we were intended to have in the first place. And, and instead of being um, free to have that relationship with him, we've become slaves to sin. The, um, there's this story of the Exodus in the Old Testament. is a great parallel to, to our relationship with God and how sin has affected that. Um, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. They were under this harsh... Uh, labor that pharaoh was putting them um, to and there was nothing they could do about it day after day they were forced to to make these bricks and and help uh, these building projects and there was no end in sight but god through moses and aaron decided to rescue them he heard their cries for mercy and and through them brought them up out of slavery in the same way, we are slaves to sin. We are under sin's power and control, and there's nothing we can do to escape it ourselves. We can't save ourselves. We can't free ourselves from it. Instead, we need a Savior. We need someone to rescue us from our slavery to sin. And that is exactly what Christ did for us on the cross. I think one of the most succinct uh, descriptions of the Gospel is found in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1-10. through 10. In this passage, we get a glimpse of what it means to be dead to our sins. You see, we're, we're not just slaves to sin. We're not just under its control, but we're completely dead in our sins, the Bible says. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, right, not just a few, not just a couple, but all of us, also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following the desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. but verse four, but because of God's love for us, who was, um, because of his great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up from Christ, raised us up with Christ, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages we might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, the thing about dead people is they can't help themselves. Right? A dead person can't bring themselves back to life. A dead person can't perform CPR and breathe life back into their lungs. Can't make their heart start beating again. A dead person doesn't need to be resuscitated. They need to be resurrected. And that's exactly what we need. We're dead in our sins. Apart from Christ, there is no help. We can't save ourselves. No matter all the good works we can do in this world, we'll never earn our way back into God's love. Instead, He's done it for us through Christ. And it's by grace that we've been saved through faith. It's, it's a gift of God to each one of us. And we simply need to receive it. And in doing so, we will be made alive in Christ. Romans 5, 6-8 talks about how God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Right? It's, it's not that we did enough to earn it. It's not that we met God halfway. But while we were still sinners, while we were still lost in our sin, Christ died for us. And it's so that we can be who we were meant to be in the first place. As I mentioned, we were all affected by sin. Romans three twenty three says that all of sin have fallen short of the glory of God, and so it affects all of us. And so often, when we talk about salvation, when we talk about um, what God has done for us, we start with sin. We start with the problem, right? That sin has impacted each one of us, and that it's and that we need to be saved from our sin. But the question is, what are we being saved to? Right? What is what is God have in store for us? What is his plan for us? Well, we see that in creation. We talked last week. I mentioned it already today that God created this world good and so that we could have a relationship with him. Genesis 1 and 2 talks about God would would walk through the garden in the cool of the day and have this intimate relationship with Adam and Eve. And that's what was lost. That's what was broken when sin entered the world. And so when we talk about being saved from sin, when we talk about what Christ has done for us, it's, it's simply to restore that relationship that he meant for us to have in the first place. So we could be the people that he meant for us to be in the first place. You know, giving our lives to Christ doesn't mean we're losing our true selves. It means we're gaining our true selves. We're gaining who God meant for us to be in the first place. What was lost when sin entered this world. By saving us from sin, God is helping us to be who we were meant to be in the first place, including that personal relationship with Him. And so He's our Savior, but He's also our Lord. Uh, One of the earliest confessions of the faith was simply, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And, and we think of we hear those words, we sing those words, and, and they may have lost some of their original impact and some of their meaning. You see, during Jesus' day, there was another person who claimed to be Lord, another person who, who forced his subjects to make that proclamation, and that person was Caesar. Anyone living in the Roman Empire was expected to make the statement, Caesar is Lord, and, and acknowledge that he was the supreme power and supreme authority in the world at that time. And so for those that, that put their faith in Christ, they were making a statement that, that Caesar is not, no longer Lord. He is no longer in charge of my life. He's no longer the one who's in control. It's Jesus. He is now the one I serve. He is now the one to whom I worship. Jesus is the one who has authority and dominion over the church and the world on account of his divine status, which is publicly demonstrated through the resurrection from the dead, in exaltation at the right hand of God. That's from the Dictionary of Bible Themes. Um, Jesus is Lord because of what he's done for us. If, and if he is God, if he created the world and each one of us, and if he rescued us from our sin, then his rightful place is Lord of our lives. He deserves nothing less. You know, if those things are true about him, if that is who Jesus is and what he's done for us, then he deserves nothing less than being in charge of our lives and being Lord of our lives. To give Him any less would be a a disservice to Him and and dishonor to what He's done for us. Galatians 2.20, Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. See, once we put our faith in Christ, our lives are no longer about our needs or wants. It's about learning to say, not my will, but yours be done. See, that's what Jesus said in the garden right before He was arrested. He was praying to the Father, and Jesus, who lived his life in perfect submission to the Father's will, was able to say, not my will, but yours be done. That's the same that he desires from us. And so what does it look like to embrace Jesus as Savior and Lord? That's what brings us to our passage today. Um, two weeks ago, I said that discipleship um, disciples will be transformed into the image of Jesus and learn, and learn to obey him. And So how do we get to that point? We need to position ourselves in a way that we can be transformed and worked on by the Holy Spirit. We can't bring ourselves to that position, but we can put ourselves in a position to be worked on by the Holy Spirit. And that's what Jesus asks His disciples to do in this passage from Mark. He says three things. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And doing those things, we put ourselves in a position for God to work on us. See, when we deny ourselves, we're admitting that life is no longer about what I want. It's not about my personal preferences um, it's about modeling our lives after Jesus, who lived his life in perfect submission to the Father. We have this consumer culture, both inside and outside the church. Um, this idea of what what can you do for me, right? What I want my needs met, I want my wants met, and so so what can you do as a church? What can you do as a culture to to help meet those needs? But true faith. Um, and, and so we often we often turn faith into a pick and choose buffet. We pick and choose the parts that appeal to us and that we like and that we want to be involved in, and we leave the uncomfortable parts, we leave the parts we don't necessarily want to deal with, at the buffet for somebody else to have. Right? We pick and choose what we want to deal with and what we want to obey and follow. But instead, God wants our whole lives. He wants us instead of picking and choosing. He wants us to follow Him completely. And and, and that often means giving up some of our our time and our resources and other things in order to follow him um and, and as i was thinking about how that how that applies to us as a church um there's one example that came to my mind and i just want to commend you for it and that's our radio ministry there's people out there listening right now um to us and hearing uh, our services week to week for i think over 50 years now which just blows my mind um because of your faithful support and your willingness to sacrifice some of the resources of this church in order to reach out in that way it costs a lot of money to be on the radio it does and and we could use that money for a, a whole number of other things here at the church if we really wanted to but instead we decided to put that money as a church we chose to put that money towards that ministry so that people can hear the gospel proclaimed so they can be a part of the services here on a regular basis and I'm just going to throw it out there. I apologize because I have a feeling there's going to be a, a few minutes run over that won't get on the radio. Speaking of that, um, but we'll, we'll apologies to our radio listeners for that. But what a what a great way to to as a church to say we're denying ourselves, we're denying um, a simple part of our budget in order to reach out and, and and go beyond our congregation in that way. Christ also calls us to take up our cross. The call to follow Christ will not always be easy. It's a call to suffer and die to self, just as Jesus did. John 16, 33, Jesus tells his disciples, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. See, so he calls us to, to die to self, to, to put our needs and our wants um, aside and to focus on him. And doing that means that we'll have to take up our cross, just as Jesus did. We'll have trouble. We'll, we'll experience hardship in this life. Jesus never promises that it'll be easy and carefree. But he does promise that he'll always be with us and never abandon us. So just as Jesus did in order to accomplish his father's will, we too are called to maybe do some hard things. Sacrifice some of our, our privileges in order to reach out to others and to share God's love with them. And finally, he says to follow him. Jesus is not asking us to do something he has not done himself. He's shown us what denying himself and taking up the cross truly means. Jesus isn't the kind of leader that says, do as I say, not as I do. Jesus set the example for us by leading us to the cross. He's gone before us. And because of that, we know how the story ends too. Jesus dies on that cross, but three days later, he rises again. And in in doing so, he conquered death and he conquered sin. And he conquered any, any hardship that we may face in this life is nothing compared to the glory that is to come. And we're not perfect. We're going to stray from that path from time to time. Right? Following Jesus doesn't mean that we're going to be you know, right on that path and never stray. But it means that over time, our lives will reflect his life more and more in our thoughts and our words and our actions. By his grace and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we will learn to follow him in everything we do. And Jesus commends his disciples about, um, you know, what good is it for us to gain the whole world and yet forfeit our soul? We must deny ourselves. The one who wants to gain his life is going to have to lose it. The one who tries to save his life will ultimately lose it in the end. See, that's the the economy of the gospel it's called. Um, This upside-down kingdom that God God, uh, initiated through Jesus Christ. As I mentioned, we have eternity to look forward to, that through Christ... Through what he's done for us, he's opened up the gates to eternity. And that, through a relationship with him, we can, we can have that. But sometimes it means we gotta give up those marbles, right, Carolyn? We gotta give up some of the things in this world. Jim Elliott was a missionary to Ecuador. Um, He's one of five men who were killed um, trying to bring the gospel to a remote tribe. And he said this before he died. He said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Right? We, we try to hoard our little treasures in this earth. We try to h- hold on to everything we can, but ultimately, it's not ours to keep anyway. Right? You never see a U-Haul attached to the end of a hearse. Right? You can't bring the stuff with you. But yet we try so hard to hold on to it, don't we? We try so hard to keep everything we have, and yet we can't bring it with us. The one thing that will survive beyond this life is our relationship with Christ. And one day we'll have to stand before God and give an account. The final decision will not be about what we did or did not do in this life. You see, we could not possibly do anything good enough to overcome the sin in our lives. Besides, Christ has already accomplished that through his death and resurrection. The question will be, however, what have we done with Jesus? Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Have you embraced him as Savior and Lord or were we ashamed of him? And rejected Him in this life. See, it's not what you know, it's who you know. It's about knowing Christ. And when that day comes when we're standing before God and have to give an account of this life, the question will be, do we know Christ? Do we have a relationship with Him? And have we received what He's done for us? Have we embraced Him as Lord and Savior and become His disciples? Let's pray. Father, thank You for this day. Thank You for this call to to be um, Your disciples. Thank you that you are Lord and Savior and that you have already accomplished all that needs to be done in order for us to be saved. You simply ask us to receive it for ourselves, to accept what you've done and to to live a life from here on out that honors and pleases you through the power of your Holy Spirit. It's not always going to be easy. We're going to stumble. There's going to be some growing pains. But you ask us, Lord, to put you in charge of our lives. And I pray that everyone that's here that's listening on the radio would learn to do that for themselves. In Christ we pray. Amen. In closing, let's stand and sing uh, the first verse of number 66. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Just a reminder, our annual meeting will be held in just a few minutes. I encourage you to stay and uh, be a part of that, but we need a few minutes to just turn things around. Thank you very much.